Underwriting for the production of AutoLine This Week has been made possible in part by WorldLink, Inspired Intellect, and by People are going to have apprehensions about going into the dealership because it's the largest purchase they're going to make in their lifetime next to their house. So they have to figure, can I afford this? True Car gets to the heart of the matter. Within 60 seconds, you're going to find out what the average customer is paying for that car. True Car helps you enjoy the car buying process because you're spending less time negotiating price. You're going to find yourself focusing on what's the right car for you and have a lot of fun with that. Experience a whole new way to buy a car with True Car. From the Auto Line Studios, here is your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week. We're going to be talking about all this new technology coming into your car. Not under the hood, what you deal with on the instrument panel, what you deal with every single day. There's a lot of cool stuff coming in. There's some issues with it, too. We've got three experts here to talk all about it, including John Robb, the Senior Manager for Electronic Systems Development at Hyundai, Richard Wallace from the Center for Automotive Research, and Doug Patton, an Executive Vice President and the Chief Technology Officer with Denso. I want to thank all three of you for coming in here. Thank you for having us. John, let me start with you. Uh, You know, the average car, they say, today is about 11 and a half years old. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have this latest technology. Doesn't have Bluetooth, doesn't have Wi-Fi, doesn't have a whole lot of things. And that's a motivator to get people to buy new cars. But it's also uh, technology that are technologies that are causing a lot of consumer uh, complaints when they don't work the way that people want them to every single time. What's some of the disconnect here? What do automakers have to do about the very technology that's bringing people into the showroom can also turn them off? It's an interesting question because it's actually an interesting dilemma that we're dealing with as automotive uh, OEMs. Uh, There's a couple of things that we have to look at. We have to look at how us as automotive OEMs have designed the systems to ensure that the average customer really understands how to utilize these new features and this content. And secondly, there's also a differentiate, there's a paradigm shift between the way that the consumer electronic device handles its product development life cycle versus how the auto industry handles its product development life cycle. Uh, There's a study that's always been, uh, that was done that when you look at Silicon Valley, Hardware is only stagnant for maybe 12 to 18 months. Meanwhile, software is always churning every three to six months. When you look at an automotive development product cycle, we're looking everywhere from 48 months to 24 months, depending on what kind of a vehicle refresh that we're doing at this point in time. So you can see there is some misalignments with the way that the way they handle software as well as the way that we handle software. That's, that's one of the primary reasons. Um, I'd like to visit, though, what we said about the user interface, or about the, what we designed for. Oftentimes, the early adopters is always the focal point of design by most OEMs. And that's only about 3% of the population. Now we're moving to the point that the early adopters have already seen this technology. We're now propagating Bluetooth, voice recognition, uh, even satellite radio from an extent. We're propagating that across all the vehicle lines. And now everybody is seeing it. Are we designing, and it's a question, are we designing these vehicles for a customer like my mother? Or are we designing it for the scientist who loves to look at new technologies? That's something that OEM should strongly be looking at now. Richard, is that how you see it? Or what what advice would you give the the industry that the very technology bringing people into the showrooms is a 
source of major complaints. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with almost everything you said. And, and the, the product life cycle mismatch is obviously one of the bigger issues. And we are beginning to see some opportunities for over-the-air updates of software. So you can keep that a little bit closer to the consumer electronics side. But again, that 11.4-year-old vehicle doesn't have the OTA capability. Yeah. D- Doug, I... Denso, of course, deals with all different kinds of car companies. What are some of the best practices that you're seeing that you would strongly encourage other customers to follow? I think the real challenge is the integration of all these systems together. And because that's where you have a lot of the problems where messages conflict and and things don't go as 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 planned (laughs) or as you'd like. But if you look, if somebody has the integration responsibility, and whether it's a strong OEM team or whether it's a supply-based team, it, it doesn't matter. It matters that somebody has that mm-hmm. integration responsibility and and leads and does that because that's that's how you solve the the interoperability problems. Whether it's interoperability with Bluetooth, it, that's a, that's a pain, right? But it's an issue that. Because it's external, it can be dealt with a little differently. I'm talking about all the internal pieces that don't work together. We we did a study. This was this was a long. This was one of those 11 year old vehicles. We did a study. <laughs> on. <laughs> we did a study on a body module, a navigation system, a um, cluster, and um, uh, one. I can't remember what the other one was. Doesn't matter. 300 messages exchanged. Seven undefined. What does that mean? It means somebody brought that car in and the dealer said, yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah, sure, you had a problem. And he probably really did have a problem because these messages Mm -hmm. were undefined, right? Mm -hmm. And, And so that's the integration issues, right? You have to look at it. Simple to solve those kind of problems, just define the messages. They're not all that simple, okay? But if you define the messages, it's not a problem. So these are the kind of things that we have to spend a lot more time on. And, and I would say that was four modules. There were seven undefined messages. How many ECUs are in there a vehicle today? Mm, depending on which one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now it's probably 300 messages a second. <laughs> exactly right. Um, uh, John, going back to you, we're, we're seeing new operating systems coming into cars, yep. and we got two major players that have put their systems forward, Google and Apple. Mm-hmm. And what I find so interesting is Hyundai, and i got to believe other automakers, are putting both these systems into their cars. But uh, talk a little bit about that. You know, uh, how, First off, let's start off, how are... Uh, Apple CarPlay and Android Auto going to solve, or are they going to solve some of these problems that we've been talking about? Well, it's going to help out. Uh, Is it going to solve all the answers? No, absolutely not, because different customer expectations are really what we're trying to trying to solve here. Um, Android Auto and Google, or I'm sorry, Android Auto and uh, Apple CarPlay are just a new set of features and content that we're really excited to see uh, in our vehicles. Uh, What this allows us to do is truly, it allows us to take the cell phone, once again, more and more out of the customer's hands while they're driving. Uh, Essentially, what these two uh, features are going to allow us is to take what you have on your smartphone, what the customers are demanding from their smartphone, and allow it to be safely integrated into the vehicle. We'll be able to display address driver's distraction, we'll look at usability, and we'll ensure that this type of interface will be safe for the customer when they're doing their everyday task. Uh, we, t- we talked earlier about 
new feature content, we're going to be allowing the customers now, instead of spending the money on a high-end navigation system, which has a multitude of features, there's a market for that. But now customers are, customers are going to be able to utilize that navigation system that resides on that cell phone and use that in everyday driving. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've been, and I see this mostly in California, where individuals will be driving and they got their smartphone and they're just using that map and uh, taking that eyes off the road. That's something that we're, is very important to us as automakers. We want to make sure that the customer has their hands on that steering wheel, keeping the eyes on the road, and building it into their day-to-day -day life. And John, I'd, I'd point out, and there's a couple of very good reasons why an OEM like Hyundai would want to offer both of those systems inside of a new vehicle, and that is the customer base uses both roughly equally, and you know, who would want to say we're only supporting those of you who are Apple diehards or Google aficionados, and those customers are already quite familiar and comfortable with the types of interfaces and HMI that Google Android provides or Apple iOS provides, and they're on that device a lot more than they're driving for the typical consumer who drives maybe you know, 45 minutes, an hour a day, but the recent studies have shown people are spending multiple hours a day on their smart devices. So it makes perfect sense to offer both options. And yet, Doug, you talked about integration. Now you've got to integrate two systems. I can't believe that's easier. Well, I, I can't <laughs> tell you it's easier either. <laughs> but but I, you know, I want to I go on a, to a point here about the fact that familiarity, and that goes with with driver distraction and those kind of things. If you're more familiar with what's going to come up, how it's going to come up, how you react to it, that's much better for keeping your eyes on your road and the hands on the wheel than it is if you're trying to figure out, uh, I've never seen that screen before. How do, I, how do I navigate through that? So I think there is a lot of value in doing that. It's not easier technically, though. Yeah. <laughs> it does make more challenges. I get asked this question more than any other regarding infotainment. Why can't I just get in the car and have what's on my screen of my phone on the screen of the center console? Can that happen? Will that happen? Why isn't it happening? Well, I, it can happen. That, that's not a difficult technology from a technology standpoint. Mm -hmm. right. But if you want to do that, so you're going to let them play movies on the center stack while you're driving down the road, and, and the driver's going to be watching the movie instead of driving. I mean, that's, that's the ultimate that, limit to what you ask about, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure, some people are going to be responsible and some people are going to manage that, but some people are going to watch movies, and I don't think we want to go there. So you have to limit. You, you can't right. just let people play whatever they want. Right? Well, and essentially that's what we're going to be bringing with uh, Android Auto and uh, Apple CarPlay. Uh, there is going to be a limited set of applications. Uh, as to your the scenario, you're going to be able to open up your car door. You would plug in your smartphone and away you go. You're going to be able to see those apps that you know that you're going to be able to use safely inside the vehicle. Movies, that's an excellent example. You know, I, I believe the number is 26 states in, United, or in the U.S. where it's illegal to have any moving picture mm -hmm. in the front mm -hmm. cabin yeah. part of the, you know, of the vehicle. Uh, we're breaking laws. If we allow customers to sit there and watch their latest, uh, you know, download uh, from their smartphone. So, once again, uh, collaboration between Apple, Google, the auto industry, uh, Tier 1 OE, uh, suppliers. We're all going to be working together to ensure that we're giving a safe and reliable system for our customers. 
And when I think about those other passengers, either the passenger side or the kids in the back, we're providing them with some different pathways. So the kid in the back, sure, maybe does want to watch the cartoon or the or Frozen, <laughs> and and so we can provide a hotspot either built into the vehicle or it's built into the mobile devices they have, so they can safely in the back watch that uh, cartoon and and the driver can be as undistracted as possible it is to have a four-year-old in the backseat. <laughs> so the car is smart enough to know, hey, it's a backseat passenger that wants to do this, so no worries, we'll let them ac gain access to that. Yep. It's interesting, we're still talking about all the different pipelines that are coming into the car. You know, uh, when you, of course, you bring your smartphone, that's a cellular, that's your own customer data plan that you have an ar arrangement with one of the carriers. You know, mm -hmm. we talk about an LTE hotspot. Mm -hmm. You're starting to see that now with uh, OEMs. That'll be another avenue of pipeline. You've got satellite radio that is available for customers. You've got now uh, Wi-Fi, uh, and I mean, we can continue to go on. There's so many different options for the customer now to get their entertainment. Uh, Stitcher, Pandora, another group of set of applications that people are gonna be able to personalize customize their experience, and really enjoy their ride. Doug, um, uh, we see people uh, really complaining about three areas specifically, Bluetooth connectivity, voice recognition, and uh, the screen, touch screens being able to react really instantaneously. Are there specific areas that the industry can address this, I mean, one of the things that I've heard is that some of the companies really don't spend enough money on a fast enough processor to really make this stuff work. You know, they're, they're so cost conscious. Is that it or is there other technical issues? I, there, there are all kinds of technical issues. If there was one solution here, one silver bullet, I think we would all be using it, right? right. So, yes. so right. That, that's not necessarily true. The interoperability thing, we have our own operations where we test all the new phones that come out, all the new... O OSs that come out and how, how they're interoperable with the systems we make. And, and actually we work with the phone companies to get them ahead of time to do that kind of test and analysis to make sure that they do function well and they still don't. <laughs> and there's still some issues, okay? Mm -hmm. So, so I, you know, that's a real important part that we continue to work and spend a lot of time and effort on. It, it just, everybody has to be more vigilant in those areas. But, you know, John talked about how fast the, the cycles are in Silicon Valley, and, and when the software is coming out so fast, you know, we, we've made a release, and all of a sudden there, there are two more releases coming out on the cell phone to, to, to update their problems, and now we've fixed the fix that doesn't fix anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you had me there for a second, Doug, but I get it now. <laughs> Do you think, Richard, though, part of it is uh, some companies don't scrimp at all and they, they pay to have what it needs to get these things working right? Or, or what do you think it is? Because I, I test drive a lot of cars and I see a wide dispar uh, disparity between the different systems with the different automakers. Absolutely. I, I don't think it's the processing chips. There are some different chips out there with different capabilities, but more or less what we're doing is not the hugest bandwidth processing uh, power compared to taking all the, let's say, uh, optical or LIDAR imagery for an automated driving system. Now that is a huge processing task, but moving some bits around for music or voice is not the, the hugest challenge in the world. I tend to think that probably more of it's in the HMI development and how much 
effort they put into that. And Doug stressed that earlier is, you know, is it a system that a user can easily understand, figure out? And I start to think about all the talk we hear now about future of car sharing and, and uh, you know, mobility as a service where I don't even own a car, even though I may use one every day. It just gets called when I need it. Well, if every one of those is from a different manufacturer with a different set of suppliers, and they've all done the things Doug talked about differently, that's a nightmare scenario. Every new vehicle, I'm figuring out how do I make this work? And I've already seen some apps and some uh, betas come out where you have something on your phone that allows you to hit a button and it starts to you know, move mirrors and seat positions and the like, but to do that for every make and model of vehicle out there, oh, now there's a huge challenge for you. John, uh, uh, Richard just said, oh, it's not that big of a bandwidth issue moving these uh, bits around, but you just said something interesting. You're going to yes. get in the car and you're going to plug your phone in, mm -hmm. i.e. you're not going to pair it through Bluetooth. No. Why the change? Um, because of limitations. Um, it's funny because uh, our experiences at Hyundai uh, working with both the CarPlay and the Android Auto, uh, we found that it's more of a reliability factor. Mm -hmm. uh, utilizing Bluetooth to perform that data input, it's not going to meet the customer's needs and uh, the wants. So we thought that the, um, and it's the first stage of this technology, it's something new. So uh, we decided that it'd be better and more uh, efficient if we plugged in the, uh, the device. Another benefit you get with that, your phone gets to charge. I mean, uh, for those of us who have Not done that. Not a trivial issue. <laughs> for those of us that have been driving like that with the navigation on your cell phone, that really chews up your battery on your cell phone. We did, but, you know, uh, we had an earlier show that we did last year where we had somebody from Qualcomm, and they've got the wireless charging, so you can charge it wirelessly, too. You, you seem to be suggesting that it's a bandwidth issue, too. Um, bandwidth is part of it. Uh, it is... Uh, Will Bluetooth be able to handle all of that data that needs to be exchanged between the cell phone and, and the infotainment system? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Be very honest with you there. Which then causes a reliability issue. It goes back to your earlier question that you just said. You know, how are we handling the reliability of our system? Why are we having problems when we're touching the screen? Oftentimes, I've seen this with several OEMs. They're underestimating what the customer really wants. They see that there's so many features out there, and they really think that, you know what, I'm going to bring all those features to the car. And that brings down the horsepower. It really does bog down mm -hmm. the system. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. OEMs need to spend a little bit more time focusing on what the really needs of the customer are. You know, stop looking at the early adopter. Look at that person who wants to go to the grocery store, someone who is just going to their normal day of work, not someone that, of course, is going to be flipping through all the podcasts, someone that's going to spend all their time focusing on, uh, you know, what's the latest technology they heard from 60 Minutes the night before. No. <laughs> Realize who your customer is, who's buying your cars. And then you can build your system for that. You have to think about that, right? Those are the guys, the people who are, want all that stuff, they're willing to go that extra step to look for how to get to do that. Mm -hmm. and, and so you don't have to make that that direct, right? Correct. Because they're, they're willing to go after that. It's the people that are just trying to go to the grocery store, as John right. said, right? That's what you need to have, something simple and something that will meet their needs. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we sort of lose track of that because we want to make it great. I, I see that all the time, Doug. I mean, I, I, I think so many of these systems are developed 
in a cubicle, not in a moving car, where an engineer who intuitively knows everything about it because he or she are the ones who built and programmed it, and it works beautiful in this static display, yeah. but then you put it in the hands of the consumers going down the road, and this is one of the reasons I don't like touch screens, is I'm hitting the bump and I'm trying to hit the right. screen and I always hit the wrong button on it. So my question is, are you getting OEMs to come and say exactly what John's doing? Let, let, let's go for the, the mass uh, market out there and, and not just the, the real techies who understand this. I, that's an education process, how's that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you know, we've got to remember too, we're still at a, an initial stage of a lot of this technology and it, it's going to be consistently changing. Imagine where we're going to be five years from now. You know, are we going to be talking about Android Auto and CarPlay? No, we'll be talking about the next item that we saw from a Star Trek episode that's going to be <laughs> But uh, in all sincerity, uh, you know, it, it's going to evolve. Cloud computing is something that I know we're going to be spending a lot of time over the next several years. We'll be looking at how do we use the resources from the cloud and help that with the vehicle as well. Yeah. That'll offset some of those uh, device architecture issues and dilemmas. Um, will that address, you know, the Bluetooth? You know, what we're having as a, an industry, you know, troubles with that. A lot of that is education, you know, uh, trying to keep up with the cell phone industry. Uh, uh, I'm using that example of uh, iPhone with the iOS 8. You know, they launched a wonderful new update that brought a significant amount of features to their apples. But it had a lot of issues. And they missed a lot of the feature content that they wanted to add. I mean, to this date, they've had over six upgrades over the last several months. Mm -hmm. I, automotive industry, it's kind of a challenge to do that. And oftentimes, uh, when you look at the cellular industry, they want to get their products out there because it is very competitive for them. They've got to get the features, they've got to get the content, and then they'll update it later on. So here we are from Bluetooth, trying to align our fixated architectures, our design, and trying to pair that, of course, with the moving target with a cell phone. As Doug highlighted, we've got new testing processes that we've adopted into the industry. We call it interoperability testing. You know, what is that? That's me taking a look at 100 to 200 cell phones and said, does it look at all, does it operate with all my vehicles? And that is something that we're all dealing with right now. You raise a great point there, too, is the consumer on the mobile device side, every 18 months or so, they're thinking, all right, I'm going to replace this. So the, the onus is really on them to say, this might not be quite ready for prime time, but I got to get it out there because right. it's a lot better than what I had in my previous version. And I'm you know, competing with the, in the marketplace. I can send some patches and fixes out next month, month after that. But you got to be right there with new product to keep up there. That's a lot to do with the expectation of the consumer on consu in consumer electronics versus automotive. You know, automotive that's not acceptable. No, you can't you can't push out a new software no. update. You, that's no. it doesn't work that way. So you, there, there's this big uh, difference between the expectations of your cell phone and of your vehicle, and I, I'm not sure everybody consciously recognizes that. I mean, we recognize it, but do we really understand that 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 doesn't work that way? I think. I think there's some education there, too. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure you're right on that. Right. John, you mentioned uh, just a, a minute ago that what are we going to be talking about five years from now? What are we going to be talking about five years from now? <laughs> that is a great Don't question. Well, here, here's, let me throw one out to you. You know, here I'm a guy, and I'm sure you guys remember when there were eight tracks in cars, and then there were cassette players. They're gone. 
And my understanding is CD players are on their way out. My question, is the radio on the way out? Are we just going to stream stations? That is a great question. It Once again, it'll be the reflection of what the customer really wants. Uh, at Hyundai, we're already building uh, infotainment, our next generation infotainment system. We're removing the CD because we're starting to see that customers really aren't using that because of all the different options that they have. We believe that CarPlay, Android Auto, are really going to bring a new set of music and entertainment to the vehicle that will make that CD even more obsolete. Uh, where we're going to be five years from now, you know, infotainment's just a building block. We've always looked at what we've coined uh, as the smart car, where infotainment, sensors from active safety, vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle type architectures, building up, autonomous type vehicles, semi-autonomous vehicles, they're all going to be integrated together. They're all going to utilize each other's architectures and displays and interfaces. And this is something that's going to be very, it's going to be a, a real fun roller coaster ride to be on. Uh, it's going to be interesting. And what is radio five years from now? Already, most stations have an internet stream of their signal. So right. even if right. FM broadcast goes away, I don't think it's five years, but at some point, it sort of still exists because you stream it just like you stream Sirius or things like that. Exactly. Content is king. <laughs> but I think Content is king. You got, you got to think about even broader than just what's going to be on your center stack, mm -hmm. all right? I won't say radio. I'll say yep. in your center yeah, stack, yeah. right? It's what's going to be in the, in the whole interior of the vehicle. And are, are we going to move to more heads-up display, larger, larger windshield heads-up display, more vivid, better color, more information? Augmented reality. Augmented reality. Those, the, I think those are what you're going to see in the next five years also to, to complement some of this shifting around of, of the data and the information. It's not going to be like you imagine it today. I think it's going to be a lot more literally visual and literally helping you keep as, where do we start this conversation? Eyes on the road, hands on the wheel, right? Yeah, that's right. With that, we're going to have to wrap this up. Very interesting discussion. I, and what I, I find so exciting is we're, we're talking right around the corner. We're not talking decades away. Right. Yeah. So I want to thank you all. John Robb with uh, Hyundai, Richard Wallace with the Center for Automotive Research, Doug Patton with Denso. Great in having you all on here. We're going to have you back before five years because I know this is going to move a lot. tell us we were wrong. No, no, no. And I think you guys are going to be right. And, of course, I want to thank all of you for having tuned in. Underwriting for the production of Auto Line This Week has been made possible in part by Worldlink, Inspired Intellect, and by Cars have always captured our imagination. What they look like, how they move, and the places they take us. And because you've always loved them, you deserve to love the experience of buying them.